0: Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Boe, I'm your host. And today I have an episode mostly dealing with transitions. One of my big takeaways from the, the workshop I got to do with Dewey and Michael last weekend or a weekend or so ago was how many men, actually how many people, are in some sort of transition? How many people are at the tail end of some kind of initiation? How many people are finding a new chapter in their lives or new opportunities or or whatever it may be and are struggling with that transition? Right. I think 2020 gave us all a hell of a mirror to look in with the question of, is this what I want to keep doing? Is this what I want to do with my time, with my energy, with my one precious life, right? And now so many people, and I'll say, because this is a male-dominated podcast, so many men are now facing new opportunities and new transitions, and they're struggling with them. Thus why I think this episode is really important. Whether you're in transition or not, you know people who are. And my guest is a woman named Emily Goff and emily actually uh had me on her podcast a couple times and we decided to swap roles because she has such an amazing story such an interesting story it's amazing it's it's a little bit tragic but you know you're gonna get into it it's a fascinating story it's one of those ones that you go no fucking way that didn't happen no way no wait that happened too holy shit this is i can't believe this how are you still standing in front of me okay Uh, It's such a wild tale and she's done such an incredible job of navigating difficulty of navigating trauma of navigating, you know, the day you wake up and everything that was true yesterday is no longer true. So please take a good listen to this and, and, Grab the gems. She dropped so many gems in this episode about how to handle transition, how to gracefully handle transition, and how to come out of a, you know, like a shit sandwich smelling like roses. So, ladies and gentlemen, Emily Goff. Emily Goff, welcome to the Uncivilized <laughs> Podcast. This is such a pleasure. We've had I've had the mic reversed, but it is truly a pleasure to have you on this end of the mic. Uh, first of all, thank you just for coming in, for giving your time. And I don't want to dive right into your story, although I'm going to dive right into your story. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know who you are, or what you do in the world, would you mind giving my audience your, your like one minute, just dirty American elevator pitch? <laughs>
1: dirty American <laughs> elevator
0: pitch. That's what I'm calling it from now on.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> First of all, can I just say thank you? Like This is such an honor. I've had you on my podcast two different times now. And I was just saying before we jumped on, I'm like, I just need to come to Colorado and hang out with with you and your partner and just like have a good time because we just laugh and laugh and laugh every time we talk like <laughs> and we gonna have be so an absurd
0: to podcast about. it is it for is people listening you may want to grab Prepare. some you and sit down yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I am a human connection coach that's ultimately what I'm calling it because human connection is at the root of everything that I do and I, I was in a little bit more of the the business realm with that And I sort of decided that I, so many people were coming to me for more personal things, Mm. but kind of weaving business into it. What I ultimately realized was that human connection was at the root of everything. And that was what lit me up the most. And I wanted more of that. Like Mm. I need to follow whatever is lighting me up in this, in this really significant way. And that sort of came about uh, during the pandemic, actually, that I really started to lose my sense of purpose in my business and, went through kind of a dark period, partly because of that. And I had to really pull back the layers. And I'm like, this is, this is what I I want is to do more kind of like relationship, personal type coaching and go deep with people, like Mm. really get to the root of what they're dealing with, helping them through transitions or figuring out uh, how to navigate transitions that they might want to move towards, but they don't know how to get there. Mm. And, Really examining like the, the relationship that, yes, you have with others, the intimate relationships included, but especially the one that starts with yourself, because that's ultimately where it all starts and ends yeah. anyway. So we have to really get clear on that.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Would you mind sharing, if you're open to it, just a bit about what that was like for you? Because this is in the last year to find like when, when we use the word, I was in a bit of a dark period. If you could just give some context, and, and the reason I'm asking is so many of the people Who follow this podcast are in transition, are about to be in transition, or are fighting an inevitable transition. And I think when they hear from other humans of, this is what it was like for me, uh, it gives some relief. Would you mind sharing a bit about, just what was that like for you?
1: I I love that you actually phrase that as fighting an inevitable transition, because I think that's ultimately when we have our darkest periods and I think that that is what can cause us the most pain is fighting it. And that's essentially actually what I was doing last year. So we'll, we'll get a little bit more into my, my little bit more story about how I I got here, but I'd already navigated a huge number of like very dramatic life transitions. And last year um, I had been planning on traveling throughout the year. I had been living in Bali I got back to Canada just as the pandemic was starting 24 hours before the pandemic got called on a a trip that had been planned here. And and I was not expecting obviously a pandemic. So that just threw everything off course. And I ended up being more or less geographically situated in a city that I was born and raised in, but there was a lot of trauma held here for me. Mm. And it was why I left in the first place. And I never planned on coming back, but it, it sort of made the most sense financially, geographically. And I was just, you know, we were all a little bit limited in terms of travel anyway. So I stayed, but that was heavy for me. Mm -hmm. That was very heavy to be in, in a, an area that I don't thrive. And that was a huge part of it. And then layered on top of that, I just started to to lose the sense of purpose in my business. And I started getting insomnia and mm. I was just mentally declining. I was having a really hard time. I, I was struggling with the lack of almost complete lack of human interaction at all, like total mm. isolation virtually. Mm. And I finally went down to the States for six weeks, which was really, really helpful. Um, I got to see some of my favorite humans and that that sort of like gave me some light at the end of the tunnel, but it also came with its own set of issues. When I got back to Canada, I had to isolate it for 14 days, quarantine. Right. That was went mentally harder than I thought it even would be. Yeah. And I also got back to Canada in the cold and the dark um, mm-hmm. because of the time of year. And I tend to struggle that time of year mentally every year. Anyway, there were just many, many layers added on top of each other. I ended a relationship that I was in, all of these things. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my business? It It just felt like Too much and it ended up being the darkest depression i've gone through um yeah it was it it was not not a good time and to the point where my therapist who i've been with for three three and a half years three four years um she has seen me again through like a very dramatic period that we'll get to uh Mm. previously and she said to me at one point uh around christmas this past christmas like I I'm concerned for your mental health. Mm. And I, I sort of, that was sort of a moment that hit me. I'm like, Oh shit. You've never said that to me before. Mm. Like I'm in darker and deeper than I think I thought I was because I was not expecting that. So I moved through it. Um, and I just kind of, but I, I think part of it was not only the incredible support that I have around me, but the fact that I kept hanging on to the fact that you've made it through all of your darkest days, you will make it through this too. Like there's, there's, and just whatever, when you're in those really dark points, I think it's so important to grasp onto the smallest bit of light that you can. And to recognize that there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if it's just a sliver Mm. and, and just kind of getting from one to the next. Mm. And I also had some really incredible friends who helped me to see the human connection aspect in my business Mm. that helped me to pivot things. And it brought me back to life. I started having these incredible clients fall into my lap that were just my ideal people. And they, it it gave me such a deep sense of meaning to be able to help them through their own life transitions because depression is inherently incredibly selfish. Mm. I'm very like, and I was very self-aware of that when I was in it. So I was trying to look for ways to get out of my experience to help other people because I knew that selfishly, it would actually help me at the same time. Yeah. And it, it worked. It really did work. It, it's I can't recommend that enough. And it's so hard to see when you're in the dark, but if there's something that you can do to step outside of that, that experience that can completely envelop you, if you allow it, it allows you to see a different perspective and it, it gives you life. It really does. Mm.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that we could go down the mental health wormhole and what people think of depression and and the, the conventional idea of like, Oh, you just need to think happier thoughts and listen to a Tony Robbins CD and you'll be golden. And yet I believe there is a mix of some of it of, yeah. like when I wrote my first book on divorce, like you have to hunt for that left turn in your day. You have to find that one email where someone's like, Hey, I read your thing and it really helps me and be like, fuck, I'm good. That's it. That's my one Hang nugget on of it. nourishment for the day. And it may be a couple of days in between, but those will come. And I'm going to ask you a potentially loaded question. I'm going to ask you a lot of potentially loaded questions.
1: <laughs> I love when you ask this, me a lot of questions, favorite Dive in.
0: In particular, <laughs> do you feel like you needed to go through that dark period in order to come out of it with a different iteration of your business? Like, Did you personally need to be at that rock bottom to realize the value of connection to then dive into connection?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I recognized that when I was in it, because I've been at rock bottom in such deep depths before that I have seen the power that can come from rock bottom mm. where it's like, you can, I, I have a, a coach who, I don't think she came up with this, but she came up with this. She told me about this really beautiful concept called the fertile void. Have you ever heard of this?
0: Mm-mm.
1: It's basically when when everything is dark, you are actually planting seeds that you can't see what they're going to grow into. And it feels like nothing is happening. It feels like everything is dead, like in you're your, your in winter, essentially. And spring eventually comes because it always does. It, it has you, to. You can feel one way and that will not be how you feel for the rest of your days. So that's something else right. that's really important to hang on to. And when spring does come, you will be able to see that all of those seeds that were being planted that you didn't even realize they were growing beneath the surface, when you didn't even notice and then they start to bloom and then you can see what the result is from that that winter winter is necessary it's a season that we have to go through in order to get to all of the other things Hmm. and we we sometimes need it for growth and replenishment and nourishment even though it might not feel nourishing when we're in it (laughs) it can feel so dead but it's actually giving you a huge a huge gift the other caveat to that that I'll say is that you can get way too comfortable being in pain, and mm-hmm. then you stay there. So that's something really important to note because there have been periods where I have been in deep pain, and it's gotten so comfortable that it's like, do I recognize joy anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, is mm-hmm. or or you feel like it's going to be taken away when it does come? It's like, yeah. ooh, is this going to last, or is this is this just temporary again? Is this just a quick hit? Mm. So recognizing that difference, and you may need people around you to help point that out for you, too, because when we're in it, it's so much harder to, to see it for ourselves. We have so many blind spots when it's ourselves. But if you can surround yourself, hopefully, with the right people, or even at least one person who can help you notice that, I think there's a lot of power in that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really agree. It It, it almost feels like there's an archetypal piece to rock bottom. And it, it, it is the, and I'm going to fumble through this, that you almost have to feel like there's no way out in order to surrender fully to whatever it is and not just white knuckle your way through it. I'm like, oh, I'll get through this. There's that little bit of hope. I'm just going to keep focusing on the hope. This will all get better. And I feel like you miss some of the lessons. And there's such an interesting view from rock bottom. One, you get to look up. Two, I'd say look left and look right because there are gems down there that you almost, I feel like you have to get that low to find. And that's a unique perspective that isn't really talked about much in the West. And I'm not celebrating people who have really, who have challenges. I get how hard it is. And yet there almost feels like a flip side of, like, hey, there's some lessons down here that you can grasp and you actually don't want to miss because then you may have to come back down here. Seriously, and, right? <laughs> and, if that's not motivation, oh, I don't
1: know what is. So like, right. okay, if I'm if I'm getting out of here, I'm staying out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Christina Rasmussen has this really interesting concept with grief talking about that, like you're in a waiting room and you're stuck in this waiting room, but the challenge is a lot of times people get so comfortable in the waiting room that they won't leave it. Yep. And that becomes the reality. So I really appreciate you saying too, that it's not addicting. The pain isn't addictive, but I've talked to guys who go, well, if I'm not in pain, where am I going to get my inspiration? Okay. Or what am I going to draw fuel from? If I stop hating my ex-wife, how am I going to keep building my company? I'm like, well, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we can create hopefully a different mission <laughs> for you. Like-, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, Pain is a great fuel source, but it burns so hot. Like, it'll blow your engine if that's the only thing you're using. And can we dive into a little bit of the story? Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were first talking, I was like, nope, that's not possible. Nope, that's, <laughs> you, you're making this shit up. No, nope, like, okay, 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 hold on. All right, okay, all right. Yeah, would you mind giving us or the audience a little bit of insight into this big transition that you went through?
1: Well, and I just have to say, I, it's, I wish that I, I could have aired the, the video of that portion of us recording because your face was like way better than the audio of it. Like your face <laughs> was hysterical. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs>
0: Please do put it out there. I
1: don't <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, okay. So I was in the corporate world for 11 years and, um, i I was sort of building like a, a side hustle online side hustle while I was doing that. So I was uh, teaching fitness and boot camps, and then I started doing holistic nutrition and all of that stuff. And I with uh, I was also in simultaneously to that, I was also in a nine year relationship. And I was really encouraged to end up leaving my full-time corporate job while in that relationship, which I am always so thankful for because. I don't know if I ever would have had the courage to have done that on my own. Mm. Um, I think that that it's really powerful to have someone there who's actually giving you the full support and that you feel that you can depend on. So no matter what else happened with him, I, I give mm. him a lot of credit for that because um, he was very, very supportive. I don't know that looking back now when you hear the rest of the story, some of the motivations may have been slightly malicious, but mm. <laughs> I do still give him credit for that. So right. I, I left my corporate job. I was still in the relationship. Um, is working uh, online for about six months, then online full time. And I, Christmas Eve of 2018, um, so I'd left my job six months earlier. Christmas Eve 2018, we get a knock on the door of our house, and it is his previous girlfriend to inform me that he's been having an affair with her off and on for our entire nine years together.
0: Mm. And <laughs> then. You, did you both answer the door, or was it just you?
1: So. She had sent me, she had been stalking me online and I didn't realize that it, I, I kind of knew that she was keeping an eye on me online and mm. I couldn't understand why, because I was being told all kinds of stories, but she had sent me um, a DM the night before from a fake account mm. and sent me screenshots. This was the first time she'd ever done this, sent me screenshots of conversations um, between them Some of them were about me. Uh, They had like derogatory nicknames for me. Like it it was very clear, like what was going on from these screenshots. So he and I had spent 24 hours unpacking this and I was still being lied to and things are being denied and all Mm -hmm. those things. And so then this knock on the door came. And when I say a knock on the door, I mean a vicious pounding on the door. (laughs) Okay. So we knew immediately who it was and he did not want to answer the door. I... I said, no, we're, I'm not sure how long you can continue to bury your head in the sand here. Like this, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. So we answered the door and yeah. So it was, it was a really bizarre moment that I, I was one of those moments of trauma where I feel like I almost floated up out of myself and was looking Mm. down at the situation. Mm. Mm. And it was, I think the hardest part for me was that I could sense the intimacy between them. I could just feel the intimacy.
0: Like Can you paint a little more of the picture. Mirror? So you open the door. Does he come join you? Is he there with you? Yeah. Is, so we is both she invited in.
1: Yeah. We both opened the door and she was, she had turned around and was partway down the driveway to go back mm. to her car by then. And she turned around and and we started having an exchange. And I said, like, what are you doing here? And mm. She was getting really upset. And and honestly, in, in her position, I probably would have been quite upset too. So I, I understand why she showed up the way she did. Um, it was basically turning into her yelling in the street. And I was like, okay, enough, just come in. And my, yeah. my partner at the time, I think nearly had a heart attack. He's like, really, we're doing this. I'm like, what, what, what else do you want to do? Wait, wait, <laughs> so right, right. I invited her in and the <laughs> three of us were standing right inside the front door um, in a little semi-circle, and she starts saying, l- almost looking at him, but saying to me, "Did you know about this? Did you know about this? Did you know mm-hmm. about this?" I didn't know about any of them, but I just kept agreeing for the sake of not losing all of my power in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, it, she just got to such a point where I was like, "I, I can't." I thought to myself, "I, I, I can't stand." to hear this anymore. I've, I've, I've hit my limit. (laughs) So I, I said enough, like, get out. And she left, um, not quietly, but she, she left. And then I, I was shockingly calm throughout this. And I used to have a temper years and years ago, I had a temper and I had already calmed significantly over the years, but I remember being so calm in a moment where I probably should have been freaking out and losing my mind that I I thought to myself, am I maturing? (laughs) (laughs) Is this what maturity feels like?
0: (laughs) He's still breathing. He's still breathing. I
1: have not even so much as raised my voice, like nothing. I just, we closed the door and he looked at me and he said, I think I just gave you your first book. And I said, yeah, you did. (laughs) And we just had such a calm exchange like, and, and and in the moment I was like, no, we're done. And then I started to panic a little bit. I was like, wait, what if, what if this is a rash decision? Like I've poured in so much of my life with this man. What if I end it too quickly? What if, you know, all of the what ifs are coming. And I'm also thinking to myself, I don't have a real job. Like, you know, (laughs) I was just starting online. I, I did not have the income that I needed to, in order to support myself. Um, there were all these questions, like, what do we do with the house? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So for about 24 to 48 hours, I was a little bit on the fence. I was like, do I end this? Do I not? And again, totally calm throughout yeah. this to the point where later on the people closest to me were like, you were so calm. It was eerie. Like we were actually like, who is this person who is just non-reactive almost?
0: Did and it not penetrate you or it, did it?
1: It did, but I feel like it was such a an, a deep, innate sadness, but also an acceptance. I feel like I actually accepted it so much sooner than I thought I would because I had been gaslighted for so many years that it was like, I'm not crazy. Mm. Every time I thought that there was something wrong, I actually... I was was dead on. I I, I was dead on. And I I Mm. needed to be listening to my intuition. And so there was obviously a self-forgiveness piece there that I had to work through and and self-trust and all of that. But I think that the acceptance actually came relatively quickly. And I think that was why I was able to be so calm because I was like, this all makes sense. This all makes Mm. sense. That this has unfolded the way that it was supposed to unfold, and it unfolded in such a dramatic fashion that I, I maintained from the beginning, I was like, it needed to blow up the exact way that it did, because otherwise I could never have believed those things about him because so many of, of the people around us were shocked to the point where some people didn't even believe me. They were like, he's, he's not capable of that. There's no way that this is true. And then all the lies came out in the aftermath, including the secret house 170 meters from our driveway. And- <laughs> yeah,
0: please share a little bit about that. So there's another home. There's another home. <laughs> that he owned?
1: Uh, his family owned it. Okay. His family owned it and they had purchased it. And I, no one really knows why it was kept a secret. And some of the family knew about it. Most of the family didn't. The family who did know about it had been told to not tell me. And they didn't understand why. Because I was very close with his entire family, actually. Sure, after nine um, years. Yeah. They didn't get it. They were like, okay, we don't really understand why Emily is not supposed to be told about this. But okay. And so there's
0: a house down the street from your house that his family owns. And he's using, he's, this is where they were. Is to Fill me in a bit on the house.
1: So there's still a lot of unknowns about the house, to be honest. And that's one of the most unsettling parts is that there's nine years of my life that I don't know the truth of what went on in a lot of it. And I probably never will. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll have these moments where people will reach out to me or something like that. And, and <laughs> there was somebody who reached out to me um, about the the podcast and she was saying how she came across the podcast and the way she phrased the email. This is very recently. This is just a couple months ago. The way she phrased the email, I actually started to have a, a visceral reaction to it because I thought, Oh my God, she's going to tell me that she was also with him mm. during the time I was with him.
0: Oh. And, and
1: it wasn't, it didn't turn into that at all, but right. the way she, she put it was a little bit cryptic. And I'm just always aware of the fact that there are people out there who know more about what went on in my life for nine years than I did, than mm-hmm. I do currently. So yeah. this, this house, he and I had watched by it every single day that we'd lived in our house. And we noticed when it had been purchased and we started having conversations about the, the renovations that were going on because we, we were both very handy. And it turned yeah. out later that he had been the one doing the renovations. <laughs> oh my God,
0: this is, this is why I said, it. it's like, it's straight out of a movie. It's
1: it's right? unreal, it's unreal. It, it just, yeah, the, the day I found out about, about the house because the other girlfriend had sent me an email and just said something about a house on, she gave the, the name of the street. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking about it and he wouldn't give me, Any details. So Mm -hmm. I had to do some detective work and dig myself. Mm -hmm. And it took me a couple months. And then Mm -hmm. I figured out which house. And I'm like, are you are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's this close.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's bonkers, right? Like we always hear about we hear about like the guy who has the second family in Ohio. And it's like, oh, he just he traveled a lot, but he's got like another wife and another set of kids. And I'm I'm always so curious of how does someone do this? Like li- I, on every level, Emily, like logistically, what do you like? I'm so fucking busy. I could, I, I have barely enough time. Right?
1: Right. I know. Like,
0: I'm like- <laughs> cell phones. Like, and, and I don't want to do it, but I really want to see the whole schematics laid out just to be like, oh, this is how you have a second family and not lose your fucking mind every 15 minutes wondering, are you guys going to run into each other in the supermarket? Are you like, yep. how do you keep that stuff separate? Uh, Especially that close, wild. like right. in a
1: situation like this, it's kind of bizarre. And and you know, I I won't um I I won't, I won't speak much ab- about him. I I, sure, I usually sure. only speak about like my own experience, but I will say that he was suffering mentally. Mm. Like I I could see it in him, and I mean, before I found out about this, mm-hmm. he he was having a, a tough time, and and mm-hmm. I was trying to support him, and I couldn't understand exactly why he would give me reasons related to work and stuff like that but it just seemed deeper than that and I I couldn't I couldn't get through to him to support him the way I wanted to and things just made a lot more sense afterwards I'm like yeah I I I would probably be a mental disaster if I was trying to juggle these different things and then nine years of lies too like you can't start to undo that it's it, once, once you tell one lie, and then another lie, and then another lie, they just keep compounding. You can't yeah. come back from that,
0: right? I, I, I don't want to have compassion for him, and I have a little bit of compassion just for the scenario that he had to live in for that much time. He's not the victim here, and so I want to be very clear about that. But yet, that that sounds like just a shitty existence. And and what is the root that creates that and allows it? Right? Like in him of why is this okay with you? What what happened to you? Or what is your background that says, okay, I know what I'll do. And the, the challenging part, I was gonna say the fucked up part, but I didn't want to, but now I said it, is that <laughs> I talk to people every week who have scenarios like this. Right? I talked to a woman two weeks ago, who was really, really, she didn't know what to do in her marriage. And her husband was trying to support her. And what was really going on is she had broken up with a boyfriend that he didn't know about. And so she had gotten left by a boyfriend. So she's super depressed and super emotional. And her poor husband's trying to support her. And I was like, fuck, why do we do this to ourselves? Emily, why do we do this to ourselves? Let me just throw another loaded question at oh. you. Why do we as humans create these? Is, is it like we have to patchwork our needs? Right?
1: Like- I think... I think there's a few reasons and obviously this is, you know, it would vary by, by person clearly. There's sure, so course, much nuance of course. In, in everything, but of course. I think that it's funny that you, that you mentioned, I'm going to actually tie this in with it with you saying that you had compassion for him because I had compassion for him throughout the entire process, yeah. because for, in the six months that followed the ending of the relationship um, he and I were working closely together to do renovations on our house and stuff like that before we sold it. And we weren't living together, but we were still working closely together. And he I saw behind the mask mm. a few times mm. where the mask fell sometimes even for a few seconds. And I had never seen such, I still haven't he, seen in anyone else such deep
0: pain. Oh, wow.
1: I have never seen or witnessed that kind of pain in mm. another human being. And uh, again, I, I don't want to, to take it too far down that road in order to respect his privacy, but um, sure, it, it, it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. And I I think that the reason, some of the reasons why we end up going that route and and doing this to ourselves is to seek validation, to fill voids that have been created and to to see who we can be in different facets of life. Because sometimes we really like who we are with one person and we might like who we are with another person and it's not that one is necessarily different or not necessarily better than the other, but it's different. And we're like, oh, well, I really like, I really yeah. like that girl that I am over there, yeah. but I really like this version too. Mm. And it's like, we haven't sometimes come to a place of acceptance within ourselves about how we can merge those things and be a whole complex layered human and, and create that experience without deception and and without feeling the need to be one version in one area and another version in another yeah like we you you can still be this this person you'll see that with people sometimes where you drop them into different groups of friends and they're totally different people in each group and I'm like to me that's very inauthentic and and disingenuous, because I'm like, who are you really? Like, do, do you even know who you are? Because if you feel that you have to be a chameleon and mold yourself into something different in each group, that tells me that you are doing whatever you can to fit in with that particular group, rather than to be true to yourself. And that's a, some some really deep levels of of worthiness and and not feeling like you're enough and feeling like you have to show up a different way in order to gain acceptance from, from the, the crowd that you're with. Yeah. And there, there's a lot to that. There can be so many reasons why we end up in those positions.
0: Yeah. Hey folks, I hope you're loving this conversation with Emily. I absolutely adore her. I adore how open she is and how transparent she is. So I wanna be transparent with you. I recently had a consultant come in and take a look at the podcast and say, you should stop doing this. You should drop it. And I was like, wait, wait, what? He's like, yep. Until you get to 10,000 downloads per episode, you're just a hobbyist. You're not really even the podcast game. And I went, well, all right, let me put my fucking competitive hat on and say, all right, I'm challenging my team. I'm challenging Ryan. I'm challenging everybody who works for me to say, let's get this thing to 10,000 downloads. And so I'm per episode. So I'm gonna ask you all for a favor. If you have an episode that you love, please share it with someone. If you have three episodes that you love, please share them with someone, put them on Instagram and tag me. Like help me grow this to a point that we can get every man in this country. And guess what guys, I have people reaching out now from Asia, from Europe, from Australia, from New Zealand, like this thing's growing, but help me get this podcast into as many ears as possible so that we can get as many men as possible on the right path. All right, back to Emily. And thank you for swinging it back to your story. I think I jumped out of your story and oh, don't no, want to leave fine. the audience with like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'd love to actually jump back in for a second and say, how did you guys, and you particularly, organize the the new iteration of the relationship that wasn't immediately like all of his shit and the pile, a pile on the lawn on fire? Like you just said <laughs> that you, you were working together. Like what was the next day? Was there, like, was... Uh, yeah, what what happened on day two? You're it's, like, I'm gonna fucking murder you, and <laughs> or, or was it just like, please walk me through that.
1: this? <laughs> there was so, and I need to be clear, like there, my my mood sometimes could vary wildly throughout that six month period because it was like living on a roller coaster. And day day two, so literally day two was Christmas Day, and day <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> two was Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: Like, wow, the universe has the sickest <laughs> sense of humor. Like, I, I bought you this present. Um, yeah, I'm going to shove it up your ass. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. So we, you know, it, it, it's interesting. The night that it happened, we, we went to bed that night together um, and held, held hands like crying. Like it was wow. like this, this huge devastation knowing that we weren't going to be together anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have questioned if he, if he really did love me, but mm. I'm like, I don't think that you, at least not any reasonable human, I don't think could stay in a relationship with somebody for nine years and like show up for me the way that he did, if there was no love there. Yeah. So I, I, I think that there was, it obviously just wasn't the kind that was super healthy on my end <laughs> or mm. even like for him necessarily because it, it wasn't whole. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it actually ended up initially we were going to stay in the same house until near his, near his day. And then I got an email with even more lies and I was from still his, very calm. From his girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. I was still very calm, but I was like, we're done. Yeah. We're done. You got to get out. Right. So okay. he ended up leaving, uh, I believe it was December like 27th. I think, yeah, it was the day after boxing day. So it was, but again, I, I have to, it's funny. We came to my mom's house on Christmas day and she essentially held like a couple therapy session with the two of us on the couch, literally. He, she was asking questions and, and trying to figure this out. And then at one point I fell asleep because I basically hadn't slept for two days. Mm-hmm. And she apparently pulled him aside in the kitchen and was like, you, you need to pay attention here because she's like, if she gets angry like really angry, that means that she's going to fight for the relationship. She's like, if she stays as calm as she is right now, she's done with you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and then it was like the day after that, that I got an email with even more details. And it kind of showed how much he had been lying to me, even in the previous 24 to 48 hours. I was like, okay, "Okay, no, we're, we're finished. Yeah, 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 we're finished. But it, it was still very, um, a lot of it was fairly non-dramatic in terms of a reactionary standpoint. We we worked really well together throughout the the time period where we were doing renovations together. Yeah. Um, he was very angry with me when I found out about the house. So he was livid with you. With me, he was angry with me what, because he'd been found that? out. Oh, he, okay. Okay. yeah, I, 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 he'd been found out, and his image was very important to him. Mm. So I, I think that that was a really key piece. And this was such a significant yeah. part of the story and like outing him essentially right. that um, it, it, was, it was not good for him. He okay. was not appreciative of me finding out. And then I found out that he was actually living there at that point too. Oh, wow. And uh, he was not happy <laughs> to have that detail
0: Crazy. uncovered. <laughs> yeah. Did, did anger ever find you? Like, were there, were, did rage find you? Did, did any of that side of the emotional coin land on you?
1: Yeah. There, there were certainly moments. Like, when I found out about the house, I, I punched a wall. Okay. which was so uncharacteristic for me uh the wall was plaster so i suffered the damage not the wall but <laughs> but it was it, there were there were absolutely moments throughout that and there, yeah there there were a few specific instances that that i can think of that i, I won't go into detail on that i yeah. i was particularly devastated yeah. um but i i still you know like especially given how dramatic things were i still am always um kind of amazed actually at the fact that he still held through with all of his obligations um, to me in the months that followed in terms of financial and working on the house and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. I always give credit where it's due and I couldn't have done that on my own that that took two. So Mm -hmm. he, he showed up for that when he needed to. And I think that's why we were able to get through that six months. And as torturous as as the six months felt to me, They gave me such a deeper insight into him, into the relationship and into the human experience Mm -hmm. that it, it was a powerful shift. And I don't think I would be who I am today. If I had not had those six months to learn and, and grow in, 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 I, I, is there a better word for pain (laughs) incredibly painful ways, but it, it, it just took it to whole new levels that I could not have achieved otherwise.
0: It's like you're in a pressure cooker of pain at that point. It's so condensed. And, and I think that's just the right word. It's condensed. Yeah. And lessons. It's like a P and my divorce was like a PhD, like literally a year of like, oh my God, I've learned more in this year than I have in the last 40. Did you ever get what you believe to be like, was there a breakdown on his part where he's like, okay, here's just the whole story. Here's, here's the deal. Nothing, no. huh?
1: No, he would he would always answer questions when i had questions he would answer them but sometimes i would find out afterwards that the answers he'd given me weren't even truthful so yeah it's i i think that he i think that sometimes he didn't even know what the truth was at certain points because he had been lying for so long that i think he had actually convinced himself of his own lies in some instances yeah
0: yeah i remember someone telling me you have to get, because this is right after my ex-wife left, you have to get comfortable with the fact that you may only get 50% of the truth three years from now. So stop trying to figure it out. Stop asking her questions. Stop digging. Just like that's your goal, 50% three years. And it was a bit of relief. And there were moments, obviously, though, like the what ifs, the what whys, the I just need to know. I need to have, have something to hang my hat on. Would you mind sharing a bit particularly around the subject of betrayal. of it, I've always said, like, betrayal is its own journey. People get broken up with, and then you have to go on the journey of heartbreak. But if betrayal is in there, it's like this extra knife in the back. It's this extra shitty flavor. It's this extra path you have to walk. How did you navigate the fact that, I mean, nine years is, how old were you at the time?
1: 31. Uh,
0: Okay, yeah, 31. like 30% of your life. Yeah. And a good chunk of your adult life. So even if it was like, hey, I'm there's no house, there's no other girlfriend, there's no other weird shit, but like I'm I'm moving to India and becoming something, you'd like there's a whole process that you have to go through. How did you manage and deal with p- betrayal specifically?
1: Oh, it's such a big question. Um You know, in this case, because I know a lot of people deal with, uh, the betrayal that involves infidelity, I'll, I'll just use that as an example, but there are so many different forms of, of betrayal, including self-betrayal when we abandon ourselves essentially too, which there was a huge element of that for me too. Um, but in, in terms of infidelity, you know, in some ways I I think he made it easy for me because he was unfaithful from day one. Mm. Whereas I think a lot of people, and this is the more typical experience will, you know, maybe they were someone for 10 years and they find out that somebody was having an affair for two years. Then they start to question themselves even more because it's like, okay, where did I go wrong when he started cheating or when she started cheating? And in my case, because it was from day one, I'm like, well, I was just showing up the best I could. (laughs) and Nothing clearly was going to change with that. So I, I really think he actually made it very simple for me in a lot of ways, but there's still all kinds of questions that come up, of course, around like, am i enough and and worthiness like, again like all of these issues and i also really love that you mentioned to stop questioning at some point because i went through that as well where i actively made a decision at some point i'm done looking like i you have to accept that you will not know the full truth and otherwise you are just going to continue to twist the knife in your own heart over and over again you're never going to be able to move past it and when it comes to betrayal you have to start to Learn to trust yourself again and to build that self trust in whole new ways because that doesn't mean that you can never trust another human. It just has to mean that you know that, that you've got you at the end of the day. No matter what else goes on in the world, no matter what else happens to you, you have things covered and you can hold it down. And when you go through these rock bottom moments, you, you learn so much at rock bottom you start to figure that out. And, and what I ended up doing was uh, once we, once we sold the house, I took off to travel. Um, I also ended my business in terms of doing fitness and nutrition, because again, I sort of went through this transitionary period where I'm like, this is not filling me up. This is not fulfilling me. I I don't, I don't give a shit what people eat. I mean, I do, but (laughs) I'm like, I can't just talk about this all day. Like there's more important things happening in the world. And
0: (laughs) vegetables, so, now tell me about your soul.
1: right. Yeah. and that now tell me about you. So yeah. I started like teaching people how to tell their story and share it like through things like podcasting and and stuff like that. And I loved that. But it also was very scary because I was then meeting a new version of myself with that. And I picked the farthest corner of the globe that I could go, where I knew no one all by myself with a single suitcase. I sold everything I owned. and i I did that too. And I also ended all kinds of relationships here in Canada, because I was like, these are not fulfilling me anymore. You are not part of my new life. Um, I very intentionally burned a lot of bridges Mm. and I did it because I, I was severing myself from the old version of me compared to the new version of me. And I didn't, there was also a degree of it initially. That was a little bit of an insurance policy to make sure that I would not want to go back to him. I never really hit the point of like feeling that super deeply anyway, but I was worried that just in case I did, I'm like, I'm laying the groundwork to make sure I can't go back, like burn the boats. (laughs) There's no route back to where I came from and I am not returning. And then when I, um, I think when, when you travel, especially there's a huge element of that where things are always going to go wrong. Always. And you have to learn very quickly that you have to figure it out. Yeah. There's things like entrepreneurship, you know, it, that that's a, a, an expansive resilience builder right there. When things go wrong, there's nobody else to take care of it for you. Yep. You have to figure it out. Yep. So there's all of these layers that I was really fortunate to be able to have that allowed me to move through it. I think in, in some ways more quickly than maybe even I expected. Um, because I came out with the story publicly within about eight months or so. And I was laughing about it by then. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, of course there are parts that are are still like painful, but of course there are elements of it that I'm just like, they're so ridiculously dramatic and absurd. I like, it's, it's comical. I'm like, (laughs) like, how did this happen? But that's how you have to, to me, that's how you have to move past something like betrayal. You also have to find the light. You have to find the joy. You have to find the pieces that will bring you back to life Mm. because you, you can't just live in, in the dead zone forever. You can't live in the pain. You, you can't set up shop at rock bottom permanently and you have to be able to open yourself up to choosing to trust people again and people who trust. It's actually been shown scientifically that they live longer by several years on average. You need to be able to trust and it's an active choice. Sometimes if I can feel myself maybe, you know, questioning, okay, like this, all all these like anxieties will, or insecurities will come up in my head. And I'm like, okay, who is that version of me? And where are those stories originating from? And does that actually have anything to do with the current situation? Or is that old shit that I am bringing up and just replaying and projecting onto somebody else? And when I see that happening, I'm like, who do I want to be? versus which road, you know, which, which road am I going down? Who do you want to be and start showing up as the person you want to be? And if the person you want to be is someone who is trusting, I don't wish to be a distrustful person. That's not, that's not who I am as a person, as a partner, anything like that. And, and you have to actively make those decisions. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you want to be able to move past betrayal, you can't hold everyone else in your life hostage for the mistakes of others.
0: That's massive. Just let that drop for a second. Um, that's a beautiful explanation. It's It sounds like what you went through an initiation, period, no matter what. Uh, and one of my favorite authors, a guy, you know, Francis Weller, yes, says that at the end of an initiation, you have to come back to an initiated community. Otherwise, the initiation is not complete. And so what I heard and like, oh, I, I burned bridges, I got rid of people is I can't come back to you as a community, my old community, after going through this initiation, I have to find a new community of initiated people. And I think that's really helpful just for people to hear that when you go through something like this, you will lose friends, you will lose family members, you will lose your community And hear that you will also find a new one. It may take some time. It may take some digging. It may take some discomfort. But it's so important because I think one of the big challenges for people facing that, remember the inevitable initiation is, but what about this group? What about my friends? I can't quit drinking because then who am I, what about them? What what are they going to think? And yet you're right. It's this almost like you're on a conveyor belt. Like, well, you're going, Uh, and a lot of people can't come with you and that's okay because there will be some other people to the, to be there at the end. Um, how do you, Emily, how do you feel like this has opened you up into the the topic? I know it's a huge topic, but of depth of like actually getting people below the surface of getting below the to-do list to getting into their hearts and into their souls was, was part of that initiation for you. Seeing that in other people or feeling it in yourself, can you walk us through a bit of how you came out the other side in relationship to depth?
1: Oh, what a question! That question has depth. Um, (laughs) Why? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That you know, sometimes I I think you and I talked about this on on my podcast about um, you know a lot of the pop psychology bullshit that floats around Instagram and stuff. but, But sometimes I'll I'll see something related to The fact that it can get to a point where it can almost be hard to be angry with people because you understand them, Mm -hmm. like you understand why they're showing up the way that they are. And I think that was a huge part of why I was also able to remain so calm. Not that I was even actively trying to necessarily, but I think that was why I was so calm in the aftermath of what happened because I was seeing things unfold in real time and I was seeing behind the curtain in ways that I had never seen before. And it gave me understanding into the depth of the human experience that it was like seeing puzzle pieces all fit together. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that makes sense Mm -hmm. because of, and and I, I think that a huge piece of depth is living life in the gray area Mm -hmm. and having compassion. I think that those are the two biggest things that I, I can offer people because when you approach things with a lens of compassion, it gives you an entirely different perspective on the world. Completely, completely different. Anytime you are upset with someone, you're angry with somebody, you're feeling betrayed, you, you have to take a look at when, when we're pointing a finger at somebody else, is that saying, but you point a finger at somebody else, there's three more pointing back at you. And it's all about taking personal ownership and responsibility because. Even though I, I was technically the quote unquote victim in that particular um, relationship by societal standards, I don't view myself that way. I never viewed myself that way. And I was like, how, how do I need to own my role in that? Well, I spent years ignoring my intuition. I spent years putting him in the relationship first and maintaining the relationship was so much more important than showing up as a whole complete human on my own. And there there were so many layers. I mean, I could go on all day about the number of things that I could have done differently. I can't control his actions. Nobody can. Nobody's saying that what he did was right. But there were things that I could have done differently and ways I could have showed up differently for myself too. And I think that that, that ownership piece is, is another big part of it. Like understanding that the world is not black and white. You cannot live it in these really rigid, polarizing ways that has become the norm lately. Right. And we have to understand nuance and complexity that comes with being human. Even things like um, attachment theory, let's say. I, I think a, a lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with something like attachment theory. And mm-hmm. we can use something like that. This is just one example. We can. I think there's a lot of power in that theory, but I think we can also use something like that to pathologize people, mm. including ourselves. And then it doesn't leave room for the fact that we are very layered, complex humans and we might be anxious, but then we can also, I've seen people kind of swing to the other direction to end up being avoidant too. So we're human. We like, we like labels. We like boxes. We like everything to be organized and like neat little things. And that's not how life works. Life is going to be messy. So you have to understand that there's going to be nuance. And in order to find the nuance you have to both take personal ownership and responsibility and to view things with the
0: compassion. Mm, beautiful. It's, that's a, a thousand years of spiritual teaching and a, a five minute explanation <laughs> that usually only comes, I found, after landing face first on rock bottom, right? And, and compassionately working yourself through it. And we'll, I'll also add, you know, to give yourself credit, please, that that can go one of two ways. It can go to where you are now, and it can also go a whole hellacious other way of of addiction and blame and anger and, and violence and whatever, you know, self-violence and, and all the things. So I, I hope you do give yourself credit.
1: Oh, thank you. But yeah, you and I have both seen what can happen on the other side. Yeah, and it's, this is why you and I do the work that we do is is right. to help people move in in the other path. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's it's not easy, but it's so much more... Like my nervous system relaxed the day I realized nuance existed. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is complex as fuck. And it will always be. And thank God it is. And it feels like we as a culture have almost been initiated through last year into the understanding that the binary is no longer. It's, you're not just Republican or Democrat. You're not just red or blue. You're not just pro or con. It's wow. There's this whole experience of allowance if I can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and we all do it anyway it's just not what's popular on on social media and other channels and, th- and thank you so much for your time and for sharing so openly your story for people who want to get more of you or want to work with you specifically who are going through something similar where can people find you right now
1: yeah, for sure. So Instagram is the best place to find me. I'm over at Emily Goff coach. Um, you can also Would you mind spelling
0: at- that for people, please.
1: Yes. So Emily is E M I L Y Gough is like cough with a G. So G O U G H and then coach obviously. So Emily Goff coach. Um, I am also over at the room to grow podcast where you can find, uh, I, I probably by the time this is published, both of our episodes will be published over there. And Beautiful. your first one with me in particular, uh, people have just, it's one of my favorite episodes I've ever done out of almost 300 episodes, it's one of my favorites. Wow. So <laughs> everyone thank can you. go listen to that one. And uh, over at Emily Goff Coaching as well. So yeah, those are usually the the best places to, to find me and connect with me.
0: <laughs> Beautiful, truly thank you again for coming on, for sharing your story. I know this is gonna help. I know this is going to land with a lot of people and and people will walk away with a ton of insight so thank you so much
1: it's an honor traver thank you
0: (laughs) this is traver bohm signing off on another episode of the uncivilized podcast if you enjoyed this please give us a share give us a five-star rating on itunes and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book man uncivilized whether you're a man or a woman please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get readin'.